Hello, hello. It's Jacob Hill with GRC Academy. Today, I'm here with Mr. Derich Phillips. Derich, how are you today? I'm doing great, Jacob. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for coming on. And folks, if you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to like, comment, share, subscribe, review, all the things. It really helps me out. Thanks in advance. So Derich, tell us about yourself. How did you get to where you are today? So Jacob, my cybersecurity career started a little over 20 years ago while I was serving in the Army, working in a security operations center, defending our unclassified and classified network against cyber attacks. And in my last year serving in the military, I deployed to Iraq. So I had the unique experience of defending against cyber attacks and also physical attacks on the military base where I was located. But it certainly gave me a unique understanding of how important it is to really have defenses on both fronts. After getting out of the military, I worked as a defense contractor for a little over four years, serving similar security operations center roles. The largest defense contractor I worked for was Lockheed Martin. And then in 2012, I transitioned to working as an information security officer for Hewlett Packard Enterprise. That role gave me good insights on the importance of really being that liaison between the business and IT and also security. Because oftentimes they talk a different language. So it was my role to be that interpreter and really understand the business requirements and how they can interface seamlessly with IT and security requirements. Then from there, I went on to Bank of America as a third party risk assessor. And in that role, I performed over 100 third-party risk assessments on Bank of America's vendors. So in the financial services space, they have a very mature assessment program. So it was really good training and just experience for me performing those risk assessments on those vendors. And it was in that role where I really had that aha moment because so many small vendors and those companies didn't have any cybersecurity experts on staff. So they were really struggling trying to navigate those security assessments. And I felt like my hands were tied. I couldn't advise them. I couldn't do any consulting. So that's when it was that aha moment, like, hmm, there's a huge need in the market for a company that can focus on working with small companies to help them prove to their vendors or to their customers that it is safe to do business with them. So that brings us to where I'm at today, uh, the founder of Aspire Cyber. And that is our focus with helping those small companies prove to their enterprise customers that it's safe to do business with them. And oftentimes they'll contact Aspire Cyber when they're going through some type of third party assessment or audit. And they're like, hey, I don't know what to do. What is this jargon? All the security requirements. And we help them simplify that. Yeah, well, that's excellent. And you mentioned talking about security and IT to business people. Do you have any advice based on your lessons learned and how people can approach the C-suite and effectively communicate with them? The first step I tell clients whenever they're engaging, whether it's CMMC, ISO, whatever the compliance framework is, is first you need to understand what is in scope for this compliance requirement. But really tied into your question with the C-suite, once they understand what the scope is, then also they obviously have to understand what their contractual requirements are. And then from there, they can say, okay, this is what we have to do. And part of that also is understanding what culture your organization has. And you and I both know that culture is so important with cybersecurity. If you don't have a security culture and you're just really trying to spin your way into compliance or you're putting policies in place, but no one's following up, no one's reading the policies, <laughs> no one, people are circumventing the controls, that's not going to work. So definitely with right. senior leadership, it's always important. Okay, what kind of culture do you want to have? 
senior leadership has to lead from top down in terms of setting that example and showing that they do take cybersecurity serious. And fortunately, with compliance requirements, that definitely is a driver for uh, a lot of organizations taking action. Because in reality, many organizations are not going to take action on cybersecurity. It's not going to be a priority for them if they don't have to. So that really is just a big part of understanding it. And part of our role as consultants is simplifying it for them because the jargon is so confusing. And if you don't have a information security background, then you're going to be confused. You're not going to understand what you need to do. That's where we come in to help them. Yeah, definitely. Those are great points. From my perspective and my experience, I think leaning in, as you said, on those contractual requirements, guys, we have to do this. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's right. That's right. Excellent. Well, let's shift into the security questionnaires piece, because I know you mentioned that and you had some experience with enterprise risk assessments. Can you talk to us about what the security questionnaires entail? Yes. So typically with the security questionnaire, a lot of times it's going to be an enterprise level customer with those large businesses like Bank of America. So whenever they're entering into agreement with one of their suppliers, they're going to have contractual language that first gives them a right to audit that supplier. And then they're going to include in their master service agreement security requirements that supplier has to adhere to. So just like CMMC, we know DFAR 7012 requires NIST 800-171. So something similar in the private sector where they're going to outline what their security requirements are. And you think about it, it makes sense. From the private sector, if they're going to share sensitive data with the supplier, financial services, they're so highly regulated. It makes no sense for them to have all those controls in place and then share it with a company that doesn't have the controls. Because we know, right. yeah, the controls, they follow the information. Same way with like CMMC. The security questionnaire is going to outline whatever those controls are and try to get an understanding what the security posture is of that vendor. A lot of times it'll be maybe 100 questions, 200 questions at that point that supplier is going to respond to that questionnaire, giving context on what current controls they have in place to satisfy their contractual requirements. And depending on the enterprise customer, they may just accept attestations or they may require evidence. And what I'm seeing a lot is, especially for software as a service companies, enterprise customers are requiring at least a SOC 2 type 2 report because they want that independent assurance. And again, it all comes back to really assurance that enterprise customers saying, all right, can I trust you with our sensitive data? And how are you going to demonstrate that? More and more companies are not just going to take your word for it. Going back to CMMC, independent assessments and in the private sector, they want an independent assessments as well. Ultimately, you have to be able to demonstrate that your company is trustworthy. You are going to not only sign that contract saying that you're going to be compliant, but you're going to demonstrate that you're going to have those cybersecurity basic safeguards in place to protect that confidentiality, integrity, and availability of that sensitive data. And I think just for the smalls out there, or just primes in general Mm -hmm. that are involved with CMMC and have that DFAR 7012 and some other cybersecurity clauses that do flow down, a security questionnaire is a a really nice way to figure out if your subs are compliant. Because I think small businesses and and others can definitely, I'm sure, identify with this. It's a lot of work to even evaluate if your partner that you're going to work with on this contract opportunity is compliant. So I think developing a security questionnaire and asking one, do you have an SPRS score and some other questions really makes a lot of sense because then they can farm it out to the right person. And oftentimes it's very difficult to find that person depending on the size of the company. (laughs) So (laughs) that's great. So as a business, if I receive a security questionnaire, how can I save time and ultimately money (laughs) as I fill that out? 
Yeah, it's a common question that I get because <laughs> we know organizations of all sizes, especially small business, have limited resources. So they, they definitely want to know, okay, how can I do this quickly, efficiently, and, and as least expensively <laughs> as possible? So the first thing is, all right, what's the scope? Are we going to look at the requirements? This is what we're required to do for the data that's in scope. And when I say the data is in scope, whatever data that customer is sharing with you, that's what's in scope. So any systems, people, processes, technology that process, store, transmit that shared data, then that's what's in its scope. Once we can limit that scope as much as possible, then that part alone is going to save time, money, and resources. So that, that really is the biggest area. And then kind of what you talked about also earlier about identifying who should be responding to those questions, because sure, it might be IT that's tasked with completing the questionnaire, but there may be questions related to HR or just sales processes or development. So you really have to make sure that the right people are answering those questions. So that would be the top areas. Ensure that you limit that scope to only the systems, people, technology that's processing, storing and transmitting that data. Make sure you understand what the requirements are. For example, I had a client where the requirement said that they needed to have SOC 2, ISO or equivalent risk management framework. For small businesses that don't understand that, where they're just reading it at face value, they may say, all right, I need to go out, spend twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 on getting SOC 2 or ISO. Yeah. But for me, having that insight, I know, OK, they said or other equivalents. So now I'm looking at, all right, this cybersecurity framework that is equivalent to a SOC 2 or ISO in terms of just how it's having you manage risk. Sure, it doesn't require independent assessment, but you can document how you are managing risk properly. And it's just as effective as having that independent assessment, as long as you're demonstrating it. So that's a way you can save money where you're not just automatically by default getting an assessment done by independent assessment. Because in reality, a lot of the companies that are requiring like a SOC 2 report, they're not even reviewing those questionnaires, but it's kind of like a check the box exercise. As a supplier, you definitely want to push back if you feel that something's out of scope or you feel that something is overly burdensome. Yeah, don't be afraid to push back because they could just be checking the box on the other end. And if you That's push right. back, a lot of times, if you word it properly, frame it correctly, they'll accept an alternative. Yeah, that's a great point. I was looking at a questionnaire that we received and some of those requirements, they were very interesting. <laughs> so I yeah. think your point about not being scared to push back Right. And as long as you frame it correctly and explain your position on it, I mean, who yeah. knows where that requirement actually came from. And if somebody just thought it was a great idea, <laughs> there may not be anything concrete that it's tied to. So exactly. Just demonstrate this is how we're satisfying this requirement. We are aligned to NIST SBA 171 or we're aligned to the NIST cybersecurity framework and just give them that context and pretty much connect the dots. Now, don't get me wrong. Some large companies, that's all they're going to accept is a SOC 2 type 2 report. Mm -hmm. And in that case, another way you can push back on that is, all right, we're willing to do that and we're working towards it and we'll be compliant by a certain date, six months from now or a year from now. Mm -hmm. I've seen them accept that as well. Yeah, excellent. That's really helpful. Any last thoughts before we part ways? Well, it's been a lot of fun. I appreciate you having me. I think it's an important topic. People need help, especially small businesses where they don't have the expertise on staff and they're paying a consultant or they can't afford to pay a consultant. The whole reason I started Aspire Cyber is because I saw so many companies struggling through compliance requirements and I wanted to be a, a resource for them. Where can people find you? So our website is AspireCyber.com. We have a YouTube channel, Aspire Cyber, and also on LinkedIn as well. Definitely 
invite you to connect. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Me too. My pleasure. Thanks, Jacob.